And we have on the news line now with our first guest of the morning talking about uh, the search warrant that was executed at Mar-a-Lago and President Trump's interest in uh, cooperating with the disclosure of this. CBS legal analyst Thane Rosenbaum is here. He's a novelist, essayist, law professor, and author of some fabulous books that we have to talk about, including yeah, Saving like to, Free that's Speech. That's the one we'd like to start on. I think that's a uh, bipartisan look at what's going on in the uh, not only our country, but maybe the world. Thane, thank you so much for calling in today. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Ben. I do appreciate you calling. I'm Mark Lawrence. I play a liberal on the radio, and Ben <laughs> is a conservative here. So that's, uh, but, that's. But Thane, as you are, we're all Americans. Right. And, we're all and, and, I, and I play it straight down the middle, so we're a perfect team. All right. <laughs> fabulous. Okay, so this is a three-legged stool that should hold up. Well, let's talk about this. This is your week, Thane. you got executing search warrants and, uh, you know, people saying maybe the FBI's out of line here or playing politics. Um, give us a, an attorney's review of what has happened so far this week. How historic and spectacular has this been? Well... Never before in our nation's history has the FBI uh, searched and raided the homes of a, a home of a former president, uh, whether he was in the home or not the home. Um, the idea that he had taken uh, uh, documents with him of a classified nature that had national security implications, and that it, and that the FBI had to act as if there was a kidnapping or a drug bust in order to get it back. Uh, the optics of that were extraordinary. Uh, you know, presidents uh, ordinarily, uh, under the Presidential Archive Act, uh, they sort of negotiate with the National Archives uh, about what things they're going to take with them. They want to take stuff, right? They're allowed to take stuff. The, the material really does belong to them. Uh, and, in fact, the president has the right to declassify classified documents. So normally it's a cooperative process. I mean, President Clinton took furniture with him. President Obama still has uh, documents that he took that he said that that he had negotiated that he wanted to eventually put online. He never did. Uh, So it's important to know that it's not like the president leaves the White House and leaves every single thing behind. Uh, The Presidential Archives Act is written in such a way that there is a negotiation, a friendly negotiation, and uh, apparently back in January, the, uh, President Trump gave back 15 boxes of, of documents. So it's not as if they hadn't been in contact and it, that it hadn't been cooperative, which again makes this seem stranger, right? That it, the, way, the nature, they didn't do this subject to a subpoena. They didn't do this sort of like, come on, guys, you really got to give us back this material. They did this in the most public way possible and in an embarrassing way. So for people like me, right, I'm thinking you there better be something huge <laughs> that the president took. There has to be something that has gigantic national implications, uh, security Apple implications. And there must have been some reason that they came, that the FBI came before a federal judge and said, Your Honor, unless you execute this warrant uh, based on the affidavit that we're telling you, we have reason to believe that this sensitive material is going to be destroyed any minute now. Help us go get it now. And that's, that's, the, that's what's so dramatic about this, because, you know, it was, it, the, they had to list specifically what it was, 
and that there was a crime committed because of it, and that the nation was at risk because of it, and that it could fall into wrong hands unless we go in now. Well, and I think uh, the uh, the idea that the nation could be at imminent risk or perhaps falling into the wrong hands, that remark from me just now coincides with the Washington Post story that appeared last night that nuclear weapons information is included there. Have you been able to find out the veracity of that at all? No, and I, mean, I must tell you, I was surprised by that. And I'll tell you why. Because when the press conference was over yesterday with Attorney General Garland, I did a lot of CBS uh, and other cable news uh, analysis, and I said, you know, it's true that that this is of a confidential nature, because the affidavit warrant is about the things that were in possession of the president, and that they didn't, that the government didn't have the, the authority to reveal what it was unless the president agreed to make it public that the attorney general said that he's now seeking to uh, to uh, to to unseal the warrant so that everyone can see it but there was nothing yesterday that stopped him from saying i trust my people i was the one that authorized the raid and trust me this is huge <laughs> what's in the house is huge you won't believe it there's nothing that stopped him from saying that i can't tell you exactly but it has enormous national security implications. And if it falls in, he could have said that. So I, that's why I'm surprised that, that, that if, in fact, this is what we're talking about, because he could have made it clear that this was not political in nature, that everyone will realize that when you hear about it, you're all going to agree we had to go in immediately. Well, Professor, I, 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 I hope that would be the reason. I, I strongly doubt it. But, <laughs> you know, what doesn't quite add up here is, is there's some terms in the folks on the legal side, and we hear it now with the talking heads on the legal side, is that there, you know, you can indict a ham sandwich, but also there's a judge for every warrant. So obviously, if you look at the background of this judge, it's sort of interesting. So you can go judge shopping and, and find what you need to do, or you sit and wait till the right judge comes up. But going back to what you just said, I think it's a key point. If if this was needed in such a way that it turned out on Monday night, Mayor Garland had the chance to assure this us that as a nation, this is what we had to do. And I just told Mark, uh, you know, off the air that the nuclear stuff, I, I believe, is chum in the water because we went through the Russian dossier stuff that we saw, the FISA courts. But my question to you on, on the le- as a legal authority is, boy, where is the credibility now of our Justice Department? And Merrick Garland had a chance to to bring some credibility back, and I agree 100% with you, he just sort of missed the ball. It was three minutes. <laughs> well, he, 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 it's ironic, right? Because that's why he did it. He did it, right, to say, here, I am the Attorney General, and I want you to see my face, and I want you to hear my words, and I want you to know that I authorize this, and I stand behind my people. Right, that this is up and up and legitimate and a, a, an emergency situation. That's why we did it, right? Like that this is why we did it, and trust me. 
Um, and so that's why he did it. He did it because I think there was a lot of people wondering, God, that was embarrassing. Why would you do this to a former president? Right? Everyone always said, you know, President Trump never acted in a presidential manner, right? Like, he, well, this is not acting in a presidential manner. You don't go into a president's private home and rifle through his private effects. This is what we had the pre- this is what we had the American Revolution about. King George the Third used to do this. <laughs> he used to get his soldiers to come into people's homes and take stuff. Right. So the Fourth Amendment is based on this very thing. Right, that you, we don't let the government come into our private home and take our private stuff. Right, and of course they made this inventory, but there's no doubt they walked out with boxes. Clearly, a lot of the stuff is going to be personal and private in nature, and should have not been removed. Um, and so, and again, the the let me go back to your judge shopping point. Here's something that not a lot of people are talking about. This federal judge is not a federal judge. He was a federal magistrate. So I was shocked to hear, what? He had the authority to sign the warrant, yes. But to me, the lack of humility, if I'm a federal magistrate, you know what I'm saying? I can't do this. It's I. This has to be done by a federal judge. Yeah, you're right. This, like, this needs to be this up. Is, this, this is this. his I, pay grade. Who the hell am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you agree know? with you there. And, it, yeah, it's above my pay grade. And Plus, I don't want the kickback on it. And, and exactly. Plus, the guy wasn't a Trump supporter. We find out in the long run. But that's neither here nor there. The law is the law. The two things you said, uh, and I'll hit on this, is I always think words matter and, and they can have an influence. And you said a search and raid. Uh, it seems like there's confusion in what inflation is. There's confusion now on what a search or a raid is. But the other part of what happened Monday night is I, I think that hurts, again, the credibility is to have Trump's representatives, his lawyers and others, not to be around. And again, that throws out you know, you hate to say it could happen, but it could. Ha- you never know. But why Why would they turn off all the security cameras? Why would they make his people leave if this was somewhat of a, um, I don't want to say routine search, but a search that goes on? Uh, it seems that that also buries them in uh, the credibility issue. Well, apparently, I don't, I don't know. Again, it's still murky. But apparently they claim that they were in touch with President Trump's lawyer and that he or she was told that this was going to happen the next day, and that he or she may have even been in the House at the time. So I don't, I still don't know. It's still, to me, a little murky that it wasn't without surprise that President Trump's attorney was given the heads up uh, the night before, the morning before, whatever. Um, um, but it still doesn't change the nature of what's happened, because... They were, you know, as the president's team is saying, we were cooperating with the government. Uh, this was, and more importantly, the act that allows this to take place, the Presidential Archives Act, about re- making sure that the president is in contact with the National Archives and isn't taking uh, documents that belong to the American people, right? The act has no criminal penalties associated. With it. it, it doesn't contemplate a prosecution. It's not written that way. It's not a crime. <laughs> so that's the other thing. The act that they're talking about. That's why I was so surprised. I thought, 
which can't be about the National Archives Act. This has to happen to do with January 6th. It has to be about a crime. It's not about, that's why I'm saying, even if there's nuclear codes there, right, I'm not sure it's a crime, yeah. right? No, I, I'm not sure that's an actual crime that allows them to go and arrest anybody or to take the documents by force. Um, yeah, and because they, it's, it's a, it, it contemplates a friendly interaction. It you, doesn't con- con- contemplate criminal behavior. Yeah, you're hoping, and January 6th seems to be the fishing expedition that might be. My, my point about the lawyers was the understanding that Trump's representatives could not be in the House, in the rooms while they were going through. They they were notified, but but his representatives couldn't be around while they were going through the boxes. That that has, well, that has come yeah, out, which right seems to be that, strange. I'll say this. Again, if the affidavit says, this, the, the world will blow up on Tuesday, <laughs> right? Literally, that's what they're talking about. The, the 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 leaders of China, North Korea, and uh, and Iran, <laughs> our worst enemies, are going to have possession of really highly sensitive national security material. Then you know, then maybe all bets are off, right? Then maybe all that. Well, come on, we don't want we don't want Trump's lawyer messing with this. We want to be in there because it's so necessary that we focus on what we're looking for and not focus on a lawyer yelling at us. So I can understand that. But again, if that's what's there, if it's a fishing expedition and we didn't know exactly what it was, but we thought there were some classified documents, I just don't see why it was done this way. This is really about the process. Why was it done? Where was the fire? Show us the emergency, because this is so highly unusual then something something doesn't look right about this. Well, I would agree. And that's what we're waiting to find out. And I would say if your your premise you talked about with the nuclear was was real, uh, the X Files then would be a documentary instead of a, a fictional show. But quick question: uh, Mark and I were intrigued by your book, uh, Saving Free Speech. Can you give us some insight on on the book? Sort of why you wrote it, and uh, were you ahead of the game when you wrote it? Since it seems like right now that is a hot topic, particularly since President Trump uh, promised or President Biden promised that he would bring unity and the end of the most divisive speech we'd heard in a long time, but that didn't work out. Well, look, I uh, you know reported for a number of news stations uh, on January sixth and January seventh and January eighth. And I still say this, uh, the 30,000 people that were at the Ellipse listening to the speeches, they had a constitutional right to be there, and the Founding Fathers would have been really cool with that. They would have said, exactly, that's why we wrote the First Amendment. We vote amendments where the people would show up to the public square about a, something and a political something of a political nature that dealt with important nature of public policy and the election of officials, and they had questions and concerns, and they wanted to assemble lawfully and peacefully for that person for that purpose. And so, yes, there's the focus on the 800 people that were arrested and are in jail, but that the nature of the assembly itself. Now, I, look, I don't think President Trump should have spoken. But I don't see if he said, and I've said then, he hasn't, didn't say anything that incited any. He didn't say anything that the Founding Fathers wouldn't have said he had a right to say it. The President doesn't lose a First Amendment right to, in, to, to, to talk about uh, political uh, the process itself. If he had questions about the election, 
and he wanted to tell the country that he was concerned about the outcome, that he didn't think it was legitimate. Again, I would never have used the word stolen. You know, I would have never, I wouldn't have been there. I don't think he should have been speaking at all. But he had the right to do, and he did say, among other things, soon we will all walk over peacefully and patriotically and make our voice voices heard. That gentleman is not inciting a riot. <laughs> Those are the most exonerating words you can say. Peacefully and patriotically, we will all walk over and make our voices heard. And that does not, you do not lose your First Amendment rights under uh, Brandenburg versus Ohio uh, from that. Um, and so uh, there is, we are not making a big enough distinction between those that clearly broke the law uh, and those who were peacefully there doing exactly what the founding fathers wanted. You know, the real question is that the, the First Amendment was written for the purposes of presenting political ideas and engaging in representative democracy. That's what it's for. Um, and so the book really talks about how we've lost sight of that, of what it was that the Founding Fathers wanted for us to have in the First Amendment. And so instead, the First Amendment is being misused in a lot of ways and being weaponized in a lot of ways uh, in areas that it was never contemplated. Uh, and so, for instance, you know, uh, 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 the you know neo Nazis marching on a, a community of Holocaust survivors. The uh, Western democracies would never allow such a thing. You know they would never allow such a thing. We are we are outliers when it comes to that. So there's certain things that we allow in and under First Amendment principles that the founding fathers I think would have found very strange, and some things we disallow. Right, like for instance, what's happening on university campuses nowadays. Right, shutting down speakers, preventing people from engaging in ideas that don't fulfill, you know, say woke prerogatives. So I think I was a little ahead of the curve. <laughs> right. Yeah. Before it even had a name, cancel culture. You you had defined it. Thank you so much. We are yeah, having conversations you, boy, on our show occasionally about uh, this speech issue and cancel culture and the whole thing. So we'd love to have you back. We'll try to make an appointment in the weeks ahead and, and get you back on the radio. Thank you Any so time. much. All right, bye. Bye, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate Enjoyed that. Enjoyed it. Thane Rosenbaum, we went a little over, so he's got the skadoodle. So, but, uh, talk show has his own talk show? Uh, let's see. Well, Thane Rosenbaum is a CBS uh, legal analyst, novelist, essayist, and law professor. He does nonfiction books, uh, too, and or does fiction books, too, pardon me. Law professor, author of numerous books of fiction and nonfiction, including Payback, The Case for Revenge, The Myth of Moral Justice, Why Our Legal System fails to do what's right, and his forthcoming book, oh, this isn't out yet, Saving Free Speech from Itself. Well, good. That'll be a hook mm -hmm. when uh, we'll help promote it when it comes out.